Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. All throughout history, followers of Jesus Christ have suffered through different types of persecution. Some lost jobs, homes, and even family members. Others were beaten and placed in jail, and many were killed. And in different areas of the world, this is obviously still going on today. And I think that for those of us who've never really suffered in this way, it may be very hard to understand just how tough it is, just how mature one's faith must be to continue to trust God and believe that he's in complete control no matter what kind of chaos is going on around us. Because guys, I know in my own life, as a Christ follower who's been so blessed to freely worship and to freely serve God without any, anything, I still have that temptation of compromising on God's ways even without the threat of persecution. So, so I can only imagine how tempting it might be if someone told me, don't share the gospel or I'm going to take care of your family. And, and then I, I've kind of flipped the script a little bit. And as a leader in this church, I'm, I'm asking myself, and what would I do in this situation? What if it was our congregation today that was going to face this persecution. How would I go about encouraging you this morning? What would I say to help you persevere, to help you to hang tough and to stay strong? How would I address you? And I give you that scenario, I give you that kind of that backdrop to, to show that this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews was facing. You see, this was his challenge because he was writing to a group of believers who had already been persecuted. And then there was the threat again of this coming to them. They had done well to this point. They had stayed strong. They had stayed steady. But he feared that possibly this time many would break and, and, and turn away from Christ to avoid punishment. I think that's why, for me, today's lesson is so timely and applicable to the society that you and I presently live in. Because as we look around, we see that the world's and its ways are becoming more and more popular and more prevalent every single day. See, that's what makes it possible. That's what makes it possible today that in the near future, being a Christian in America, being a Christian in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, could bring persecution and suffering to us as well. So, so let's look at what this author of Hebrew, Hebrew says today, and hopefully now with a little more interest, knowing that we too could find ourselves in this position. 
And he starts like this. He starts by trying to remind them of how important it is to always remember and know that our God is capable of anything at any time. To not just think, but to know that there's no one like him. Because the writer knows that the only limitations that can be placed on God are the ones that we put on him. And so to do this, guys, he uses just one word. He uses one word as the foundation for our continued growth and perseverance. He uses the word faith. Now, this is not a faith in faith or a faith in mankind, but in the one true God, the creator of the universe. So, so if you have your Bibles with you today, if you'd open them with me today to Hebrews 11, we're going to be looking at verses 1, 2, and 3 as we continue in the 24th week of this amazing series. 11, 1 through 3, it says this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, and what was seen was not made out of what was visible. I think you'd agree, many in our world today would go, wait a minute, that's it. I'm about to get killed, and that's your pep talk right? That's it. That's all you got is you're going to tell me to have confidence in what I hope for and, 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 and to be sure about what I can't see. That's all you got? Because that's not the way our world builds confidence, is it? That's not the way our world does it. We want to see it. We want to taste it. We want to feel it. And if possible, we even want to smell it. In other words, we want tangible, visible proof. And you see, therein lies the problem. Because Isaiah 55, 8 tells us this. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. In other words, God seems to be saying, hey, I don't do it the way you do. And unless you're willing to change, you're not going to understand it. So what I'd like to do is, Let's just stop there just for a moment, okay? Let's just stop, and, and, and let's, let's ask God, God, will you invade our lives today? Will you invade our lives, and, and will you soften our hearts? And could you open our eyes today, God, to your truth and to your ways? Let's ask him to allow these three verses to sink into our souls and strengthen our walk through our faith in him. Let me pray. God, Lord, Heavenly Father, please today, God, may we slow down and may we focus on you and your ways. And God, may we allow this time to prepare us for whatever lies ahead. And may God, our desire be to see, to hear, to smell, and to feel your way and not the world's. And God, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's start. Let's look at the first part of verse 1, and it says this. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. So what we've got to do, we've got to break this down. So who is this confidence in, and what is it that we hope for, right? I, I got this definition off Google, and if it, if it wasn't so sad, it would almost be funny. But it says this. It says confidence 
is the feeling of self-assurance rising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. Can you see how we kind of get mixed up? Because the world is telling us it's all about our self-confidence. It's all about our ability. It's all about our talents. But as believers, we know our confidence can never be in ourselves, right? And guys, I am so glad about that. I don't know about you, but that, that, that thrills me. Because not only do I not know what's going to happen tomorrow, at my age, I forget a lot about what's already happened today. Right? And so I don't want to be, no, I don't want to be in charge. You see, our confidence is in the one true God who time and time again has proven that he not only knows the future, he controls it. Our confidence is in the one true God who loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you and for me. Our confidence is in the only one who can guarantee eternal life for all who believe. And guys, this isn't a blind confidence. It's not. God has given us all we need to trust him completely. He makes available to us his own track record. And as we read about him and we continue to do this and, and, and we see his perfection, we see his perfection in everything he does. And when that happens, our confidence continues to grow. And when that happens, so does our faith. All right, so, so what do we hope for, right? We know now that our confidence is not in us, but in God, right? And so what do we hope for? And, and, and being a very simple person, which I am, I, I think we can put this into one sentence. Our hope is that God is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, right? That, that, that's what we hope for. Because if that's true, and, 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 and we know it is, then we are among the most blessed people in the world. We are the most blessed people in the world. And the great thing about hope is that it continues all through our life because God does as well. It's an ongoing thing. True hope allows us to have faith in any situation. And so when you take all those little definitions and you put them together, basically what this first half of the verse is saying is faith is believing and trusting God for all his promises. That's what it's saying. Can we believe God so much? Can we have so much faith in God that we give him complete control of our lives? Our confidence in God grows. And when that happens, our faith expands as well. And when that happens, that's the recipe for faith. All right, let's look at the second part of verse 1. It says this, an assurance about what we do not see. Uh, so important here because this is only possible through faith or believing God. Because without faith, this, this statement makes no sense, right? To the rest of the world, this makes no sense. There's no way to be sure of what we don't see unless God's involved. Let me show you what I mean. 
Okay, so our starting point, right? Our starting point for our faith comes when we understand that we are sinners, right? And then that sin separates us from God, and we believe or we have faith that only Jesus Christ is capable of forgiving those sins. And he purifies us in the sight of his Father. Again, that's our starting point. And as Christ becomes our Savior, here's the cool thing about this. We then become equipped with everything we need to grow in our faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. Here's what I want you to see. As believers, guys, we become brand new people on the inside. You need to get that. We become brand new people on the inside, and as the Holy Spirit enters our soul, we become directed, protected, and guided by God himself. You see, we're not just a better version of us. This isn't Mark 2.0, right? We're not rehabilitated. We're not reformed. We're not reeducated. We are recreated, brand new, to begin a new life under a new master. And so part of that new life includes the ability to now see through the eyes of God. And that's what allows us to see and believe what we do not physically see. There's physical and there's spiritual. But so many times, guys, so many times, at least I'm guilty of this, so many times we get so wrapped up in this world that you and I never maximize who we now are as a new creation. We don't maximize it. And guys, that stunts our our faith growth. It stunts it. Let me, let me share a personal story with you about how my faith, my faith needed to grow so that I could see. Uh, Pastor Rick called me about five years ago, and uh, he asked me, he said, Mark, can we go to lunch? And so as we met, he explained to me that, that Pastor Brody was, was going to be joining his father in their family business. And, and he asked me to pray about the possibility of taking his place with the emphasis on sports ministry. I had told him earlier that I was going to retire from Coastal, and and I felt like God was calling me in some capacity to full-time ministry. Well, there were three options out there that that I I was looking at and praying about, and after I met with Rick, the other two just disintegrated. They they were gone. And so so I felt like that this was God's desire. And, and, And before I go on with this story, I need you to understand something. Before I came... One of the things uh, Miss Carrie Lemke and Brody Hillman did was they ran the sports ministry. And the foundation that they gave me, the, 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 the way that they had the reputation of this community was absolutely amazing. The foundation was so good, and I almost missed it. I remember being on the fields. It was one day in late August. And all I could see out there was weeds, broken irrigation, and a lawnmower that wasn't working. I found a rake that was working. I found a rake, and I began to rake the um, old grass off the field so that we could get to the new grass, some sunshine. And as I was doing that, it was about 90 degrees, and everything I did stuck to me. So I got dirt, I got grass just all over me, right? Well, If that wasn't bad enough, right in the middle of all this, I get a phone call. It's a headhunter who was asking me if I was interested in talking to this college in Georgia 
about doing what I had done at Coastal. Think about that. I'm drenched. Nothing's working. And guys, for a moment, the only thing I saw and the only thing I heard was ka-ching, 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 because this was another salary and another retirement. And I was like, wow. But you see, this is where, ladies, please hear this. This is where godly wives are so incredible. This is why you are so blessed. I called my wife. I said, Mary Beth, listen, I need you to understand this is what they called me about. And, you know, I just wanted you to know what's going on. And, and, and she was very calm. And she just said, Mark, look, I'm excited for you that they would think about you. But, you know, that's trouble, guys. But I think we both know where you belong. And, you know, it's that feeling where all you can say is, you're right. You're right. But, but there's a point to all this. Let me tell you the point to this story. You see, there's such a difference between coming to work for God and being totally committed to for God. Just like there's such a difference between knowing God and knowing God, right? There is such a difference yet. And what I now realize is I hadn't burned all my ships. I didn't burn my ships so I couldn't go back. I hadn't taken all other options off the table because my faith in believing that God had called me here regardless of what the situation was, it needed to grow. It needed to grow. You see, I was treating God like he was one of my options. I was treating God like I would any other person, and that's a disaster a recipe for disaster. And because of that, I was looking through the world with worldly eyes. And all I could see was the physical, and I was missing the spiritual. All I could see was the problems. So I went home. I really did some soul searching, some praying, and I realized that either I was all in or I couldn't do this job. And guys, since that time, since that commitment, this has been the most amazing journey of my life. You see, I begin to see the potential that was all around me instead of all that was not there. And, and the great thing about when you get uh, that kind of faith going and you truly believe in God and you see him work, it doesn't just excite you, it energizes you. And if you've not cut grass and pulled weeds and did irrigation in the middle of summertime, you would know you need that energy. You need it. So that was so exciting to me. You see, God was opening my spiritual eyes to his possibilities instead of my present circumstances of my worldly eyes. And everything began to change. You see, faith gives us assurance of what we do not see. Verse 2 says this. This is what the ancients were commended for. In the Bible, we read so many examples where God would often put his people to encounter overwhelming situations so that total dependence on him and his power was really their only solution. It was like their, how much do you really trust me moment. And for those whose faith allowed them to continue moving forward, regardless of what they were facing, we're told that God commended them for that. They were commended for their faith. And there's no better example of that 
than these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the book of Daniel, we're told that these three men, guys, they were about to be thrown in a, a, a fire. That this, this was like a furnace. And they were about to be thrown into the furnace because they would not bow down to the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had made. There was this horn that would blow at a certain time daily. And when this happened, everybody had to stop what they were doing. And they had to bow down to this golden image. And with no visible evidence, with no physical evidence that they would ever be delivered from this life, they had the faith and they were certain that they would ultimately be delivered even if it was in heaven. You see, their, their faith in God was so strong that it allowed them to be brave and courageous even when facing death. And we're told that God himself commended this kind of faith. And in the end of the story, we see that these three guys in the fire are walking around and not even any of the clothing is being burnt. Unbelievable. What if you and I, what if we possess that type of faith today? What if we possess that type of faith? Would we live differently? Would, we, would, we, would it change the way we see and face fear or even death itself? You see, here's the thing. God's equipped us to live in this world with this type of faith, with the faith that these three men had. And now it's just up to us to grow into it. The ancients were commended for believing and trusting that God is who he says he is and can do all that he says he can do. Verse 3 says this, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. We have to go back to Genesis 1, verses 1 through 2. It's just the very beginning of the Bible, and it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Our God, the one who our confidence is to be in, created the entire universe out of nothing. It says the earth was formless and empty, meaning that God started from scratch and he spoke this world into existence. And we still have doubts. Do you know the world that we live in spins at an incredible speed of 490,000 miles per hour? And still with that, it takes... 200 million years to just make one rotation. And all of this is happening and we don't even know it. It takes that long because our galaxy is only one of a hundred thousand million other galaxies. But somehow our problems are too big for him. Guys, that's our God. That's how strong he is. That's how powerful he is. That's how creative he is. But at the same time, he's so incredibly loving that he knows the number of hairs on our head. 
where else would you turn? Where else would you go? Who else can compete with that? Who do you want to, who else would you want to have confidence in? Guys, there's no one like our God. There's no one like our God. And the more we read and study and pray, the greater our faith becomes. I want, to, I want to share one more story with you that many of you have heard, but the thing I like about it is it's not only does it have this incredible act of faith, but it also shows not only what we are capable of, but how this faith that we have the ability to share affects others. I know many of you have heard this many times, the story of David and Goliath, where this young teenage boy willingly goes out to fight this incredible giant, this incredible warrior with just a slingshot and a rock or a few rocks. And as Goliath is laughing at him as David walks out, can you imagine? Here's this guy over nine foot tall and this little boy walks out. Little teenage young boy walks out. And, and, and so David, uh, Goliath starts laughing at David and he tells him this. He says, today, David, today I am going to kill you and feed you to the birds and the wild animals. But listen how David responds. He says, you come at me with a sword and a spear but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Do you see the difference? Goliath bought into the world. He said, I'm bigger, I'm better, and I'm better than anything here, so I can wear you out. And David said, you're not fighting me. You're fighting my God. What an amazing thing that faith can do. How incredible, guys. How incredible would it be to live in this kind, with this kind of faith? To know that no matter what the situation you encounter, no matter what it is, even if it's death, that we encounter it with faith in God, and that allows us to do it brave, courageously, and with assurance. That's what faith does. You see, David had no doubt that God would not take care of him. He had no doubt. But then it gets even better because all of a sudden they run out to the battle lines, right? And they run out and David takes this one, one stone out and he, and he puts it in his slingshot, bam, hits Goliath right in the head, right in the forehead. Goliath falls down. David runs over, takes Goliath's own sword, cuts his head off and holds it up. And people are going crazy. People are going crazy. But there's something even cooler. Listen to this. This is in 1 Samuel 17. We're looking at the second part of verse 51 through 53. And it says this. It says, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. The dead were strewn along the Shereem road to Gath and to Ekron. Guys, do you, do you get that? Do you understand? These are the same men that for 40 days were frozen with fear. No one would go fight Goliath. Every day, Goliath would walk out and make fun of them and make fun of their God, and not one person would move. And all of a sudden, this young boy goes out in the faith of God, defeats the giant, and when they see what this kind of faith can do, guess what? It becomes contagious. 
it becomes contagious. They jump in and they start killing these giants left and right because they saw what the faith of God is capable of. So what if? What if today there are people who are frozen with fear and living with doubt because they've not yet seen this kind of example in our world? What if they've never seen this kind of faith? What if we as believers today, what if we live in a way that says, if my God is for it, who could ever be against it? What if today our world saw believers who were capable of having love in the face of hate, having strength in the face of weakness, hope in the face of death, peace in the face of chaos, and courage in the face of fear. You see, that's what true faith makes us capable of. That's what it makes us capable of. And I want you to understand that the more important part to me about that is we're taken care of. But if we can live by this kind of faith, we can have an effect on other people. We can point them to the one that can save their soul from hell. That's why this faith is so important. For me, that's a life worth living. For me, that's exciting. For me, that makes this life just so exciting. And it makes so much sense that that we are a part of God's plan. And we can have that kind of impact on other people. John 10, 10, Jesus tells us this. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That doesn't mean that you're going to live in a mansion and, and drive a Mercedes. What it means is this, that you and I were never intended to live this life in survival mode. We were never intended to do that. But to live in faith in the one true God. The same God who promises to transform us daily and make all this faith possible. And what I want you to know is this, when that happens, when that happens, so will revival. I hear all these people saying, I'm praying for revival. Okay, if we will live like it and act like it and have the faith in God and, and, and share that with people by the way we live, man, they're going to want it. It becomes contagious. You see, that's why the writer of Hebrews... That's why he chose this one word. That's why he chose this one word when all of his people were facing death or persecution or punishment. He had one word, faith. Because he knew if their faith could grow, they could persevere and they could survive and they could continue to love Jesus no matter what they were going through. So I guess my question is, what's stopping us from living like that today. What's stopping us? Is our confidence in the wrong place? Maybe it's like me. You're just making God one of your other options for the day. Let 
Let's let him open our eyes today. Let's let him open our spiritual eyes. You see, this makes no sense to the rest of the world. But the Bible tells us that we live in a physical and spiritual world. And God has the ability to open our eyes and let us see things that are so amazing. Some of you today are living in a, in a marriage that you see no hope in. And I'm telling you, let God get a hold of that. And, and I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but he's going to give you the strength to do what you need to do. See it in a different light. Some of you, at your jobs at work are, are just boring. And, and, and I want you to understand that maybe it's because we're looking through worldly eyes. Maybe it's because we're just not seeing it through the eyes of God. We're, we, we, if we can just go to God and ask him and pray, God, I want to see through your eyes. I want to see things the way you do. Because if I do, I'm going to live differently. And I pray for that, guys. I pray that you and I, as believers, talking to believers today, I'm praying that we maximize the fact that we are a new creation. I pray that we see and realize that by being a new creation, we have the ability to love God more every single day. And when we do, our faith grows. Our faith will grow. Let me pray. Lord God, this very day, this very day, may this be our desire, God. May we give you complete control of all we are and all we do. God, may our faith be in you be on display daily. May it be on display daily by the way we live and speak and by the way we love others. And God, may we live this life abundantly. May we live this life like you are telling the truth. Please, Lord God, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.